Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. He's a new face in a new town. Mason's family recently moved to St. George. They'd only been here a short period of time. He seemed the happiest we'd seen him. Until, like a typical teen, he tests his parents' limits. Darren said, give me your laptop, and I'm going to take your phone, too. But his parents' punishment triggers their worst nightmare. He left his cash, his ID cards. By all appearances, he left with the clothes on his back. But he also leaves a hidden, cryptic message. We read it together, and we just we just sobbed. So... They really don't know what could have happened after he walked out the door. Monday, August 31st, 2015. 17-year-old Mason Smith texts his mother on his way home from school. He's got good news. Two weeks in, his grades for his senior year are almost all A's. Very bright boy. I know all mothers say that, but... um... He, he was just smart and picked up on things super quick. But Mason's objective isn't to brag. We had an agreement that if his grades were A's and B's and all his assignments were caught up, that he could watch anime during the week. Now he hopes to collect on the bargain. Anime is adult cartoons, really. I want to say gothic, but very emotional type plots and turmoil. Despite his achievement and the promised reward, his parents have something else in mind. Some driving practice. The Smiths live in St. George, Utah, a picturesque city of 80,000. St. George is a tourist mecca situated in southwest Utah on the border between Arizona and Nevada. Mason is the youngest of the six Smith children. Mason, what'd you make? Oh, 
He was coddled and babied, and the five older ones took care of him. Growing up together, it was a blast. Honestly, my favorite memory is just playing hide-and-seek in moments like that. It was kids' heaven. All my other kids, the first word that came out of their mouths developmentally was dad. Mason was a mama's boy, and he's the only one that said mom first. Now, Mason's the last one still living under his parents' roof. Mason's family recently moved from Canada to St. George. They'd only been here a short period of time. Initially, Mason wasn't sure he wanted to come. It was right before his senior year. He'd have to start over in a new school and make new friends. His older siblings have already gone in their own directions. He didn't really reach out to people a lot. If you reached out to him, then he'd get a lot more opened up. But he's definitely a shy kid. When we were living in Canada, he and I both suffer from some depressive symptoms, and we thought about all the places we could probably go where there would be more sun, and we just thought St. George would be the best. Mason and his mother arrived in St. George, Utah in April of 2015. During this period of time, his father, Darren, was actually working out of the area um, on some construction projects. Summer and most of the spring, it was Mason and I in the house. So we kind of ruled the place. Tracy began a new job as a clinical director while Mason started summer school. Being a senior in high school and transferring from Canada, all of his credits didn't transfer. Tracy cherished their downtime together. We would go to Pioneer Park, which is a great overlook for the whole valley. Once we moved down to St. George, he was doing super good. He seemed the happiest we'd seen him. He really loved the environment. He really loved the school. He said, people are so kind here. At six foot four and 200 pounds, Mason is an imposing figure. When he's approached, he's delightful, but he's definitely the quiet, gentle giant. But the handsome teenager has a deep-seated sensitivity from his youth. Mason once struggled with childhood aphasia, a delay in his speech development. He would throw tantrums when you couldn't understand him. Only one person could get Mason then. He was my little buddy because the rest of the older siblings thought they were too cool to hang out with us. When I couldn't understand what he was saying, she would step in and say, Mom, this is what he's trying to say. Time and speech therapy helped Mason. Yet those closest to him still heard reminders of that difficult time in his voice. It wasn't very obvious, um, but it was just the way he talked. I describe it as if you did meet a hard of hearing person. There's just something a little off. 
It was slurred. I would say that's the word that describes it. It also made Mason a target for bullies. Mason told his mother he was picked on daily in junior high for his speech, undermining his self-confidence. The thing that's built him back up is music. Mason has dreams of becoming a rock star. He was writing lyrics and would spend a lot of time alone singing to himself and writing lyrics. Mason also takes pride in excelling at video games. Since childhood, he'd been an avid consumer. But most recently, Mason's favorite escape has been watching Japanese anime movies online. He was addicted to anime. I know a lot of people are probably thinking that's not possible, but every spare moment, he was watching that stuff. So on that late summer day, with news of his good grades, he's angling to lose himself in some more anime that afternoon. His father, who just arrived home three days earlier from Salt Lake City, has another idea. Darren wanted him to get his license and wanted to take him out driving. The 17-year-old has been dragging his feet on getting his driver's license. He wasn't confident, and I would tell him the only way to get confident is to do it. His father wants to help. But Mason begs off, complaining of a headache. Father and son reschedule. Around 8.30, Tracy gets home after a long day at work. His room's dark. He's already in bed. I go in there, and I sit at his bedside. I'm just like, what's going on? He's like, I just don't feel very well. And I said, I hope you're feeling better, and gave him a kiss on the head and left. Before going to bed, Tracy makes a point of unplugging their internet router. So that he wouldn't be tempted to stay up all night watching anime or playing video games. During the summer, Mason had more freedom, but now he has a 10 p.m. electronic curfew on school nights. Typically, I would hide the cord, and that night I didn't hide it. I just unplugged it because I was tired and lazy. Around 1.30 in the morning, something wakes Mason's father. So Darren gets up in the middle of the night and he was just seeing if he was right, <laughs> if Mason would plug in the cord. According to Darren, he sees a blue light coming from under Mason's door. Darren had come into the room that night and had found Mason watching anime. Darren said, give me your laptop, and I'm going to take your phone, too. Our assumption when we talked to Darren was that there was some kind of altercation, maybe an argument at this point. And uh, he said, no, there wasn't an argument. He just handed it over quietly, didn't say much. Darren then brings Mason's laptop and phone back to his bedroom. He made sure he let me know, you know, that time of night, he said, Told you, he plugged it in. At seven o'clock the next morning, 
The Smiths begin their regular routine. Darren got up, knocked on Mason's bedroom door, and said, Mason, are you up? And he just said, yep. And uh, Darren came back to bed. A little while later, they hear Mason getting ready. We heard him about 7.30ish, kind of rifling around in the kitchen. And then around 7.40ish, I heard the garage door close. And that was standard. Mason's bus stop is a two-minute walk around the corner. Both his parents say they assumed he was headed there. But neither says they actually saw their youngest son that morning. So they really don't know what could have happened after he walked out the door. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Janice from Warner Brothers Discovery. Have you ever heard the expression, perfect is the enemy of good? I think about that a lot, especially when it comes to my body and health, because perfect does not exist. It's a total trap. Noom isn't into this perfection thing either. Its unique approach is tailored to each person's psychology and biology. From coaching to recipes, Noom's app provides personalized information to help you on your journey, no one else's journey. I also think it's great that Noom doesn't restrict what you can eat, and it doesn't shame you for treating yourself. And treat yourself, you should. What's more, Noom's approach is grounded in science. They've even published more than 30 peer-reviewed scientific articles about how they work. To date, Noom has helped more than 5.2 million people lose weight by helping them build new habits for a healthier lifestyle. So why not give it a try? 
Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. After 17-year-old Mason Smith's parents hear him leave the house on Tuesday morning, September 1st, they begin their respective days. Mason's mom went to work that day. Dad was home. Darren spends most of that day working in their backyard. He's expecting to give Mason the driving lesson they put off the day before. He was waiting for Mason to come home because he was going to take him out right after school. Around 3.15, the school bus drops kids off at the neighborhood stop. He waited till about 3.30. Mason! 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 Darren has no way of contacting his son. He'd confiscated Mason's cell phone and laptop the night before. Darren texted me and said he didn't come home. Mason's father's return to the family home signaled a huge change for the 17-year-old. Darren wanted Mason to go out. He wanted him to get a job and be social. I made it a point to sit down with him and say, you know, you're not going to be able to get away with playing video games all the time after school. There is pushback with the other male in the house. It's like, you can't tell me what to do. I'm a man. I'm a six-foot-four man. When Darren tells Tracy Mason hasn't come home yet, she immediately connects it to Darren confiscating his phone and laptop the night before. I thought maybe he was just blowing off steam and, and staying away for a while. But then she checks her personal email at work. There's a notice from Mason's school. He didn't even go to school. Wait a minute, if he didn't go to school, Maybe you didn't get on the bus. Tracy cannot imagine where her son could be. She immediately heads home. I came home early once I found out he was missing. Tracy tries Mason's bedroom door. The only time it was locked was the day he left. It's the only time. When people try to delay a discovery of something, what are they hiding? Once his parents get inside, they're still perplexed. The room looked very normal. On Tuesdays after school, Mason sometimes went to youth group meetings at their church. But a call confirms he wasn't there. We were waiting to curfew to see if he would come home. Mason's 10 p.m. curfew comes and goes. They concluded he's run away, and they called the police at that time. They file a missing juvenile report that night. An officer came out and took the report, and he, he said, you know, I'm up all night. I'll just drive around and keep my eyes open. So I thought he'd find him. It wasn't the first time Mason had done something like this. 
when he was in Canada, he had run away. And the circumstances then were strikingly similar. He blew off his responsibilities and we're just saying, until your grades come up, we're gonna take this away. And so when my parents came home, they took his Xbox. And he got so angry. He felt like my parents had taken away all his rights, um, the thing that gave him happiness. It was about 10 o'clock at night, and, and I heard the front door open and close. And then um, I realized that Mason had just walked out of the house. I think he took a, like a sleeping bag with him and some food from the kitchen. And he had brought uh, resumes with him because he was gonna make it on his own and get a job. But Mason had done this in the frigid month of December. I don't think anybody could have lived through the night that kind of cold. After a tense few hours, Mason eventually returned home by his own free will. Now, two years later in St. George, the situation feels very familiar. Mason's electronics had been taken from him yet again. He's not like a confrontive person. I call it suffering in silence. He was more of a quiet, I'm gonna remove myself from the situation. I'm that angry, you know. The next day, September 2nd, Tracy drives to Mason's high school. Assuming his absence is temporary, she's come to pay for his senior class graduation cap, gown, and tassel. She looks for him there, but Mason doesn't show at school that day. Back home, Tracy discovers something curious. I noticed that his binder and everything he would have taken to school was in his closet on the closet floor. He looked like he had hidden it under clothes to kind of look like he had taken it with him. Was Mason trying to hide that he never intended to go to school that day? Tracy also finds Mason's wallet in his room. It was in his nightstand, like a couple drawers down in the corner. He left his cash. Um, he got money from Tracy for allowance and to pay for school meals. All of that was there. His ID cards, nothing. Didn't take any clothes with him. So by all, you know, appearances, he left with the clothes on his back. Tracy quickly reaches out to their large, extended family with the devastating news that Mason has gone missing. It was surprising, because up in Canada, he was upset and, you know, a bit depressed, but down here, he seemed great. Police patrols in the area failed to locate Mason. Three days after his disappearance, St. George PD intensifies its efforts. It started out for me like any other runaway juvenile case. In talking to his parents, you know, he had been having some issues with the dynamics, family dynamics. It's what Mason left behind that's unusual. He didn't take his phone, he didn't take his computer, didn't take anything digital, you know, which is kind of what we rely upon nowadays is, you know, the digital footprint. And that's where the red flags to me started coming off with is like, okay, I'm not getting activity on his Facebook page. He's not communicating with friends and family. Now what? In the meantime, 
Tracy does her own digging. I started to call the bus garage the next day and, and question, like, did he get on the bus? Tracy was very diligent. I mean, she had gone already and talked to the school bus driver, the kids at the bus stop, and they all said, no, we didn't see him. Mason did not get on the bus. The curious thing about that area and their home is that it's very residential, very quiet. There's not a lot of cars around. His neighborhood at the time, there was homes all around him that were being constructed. I mean, if you walk kind of outside the boundaries of the town, you're talking desert. Within days, Darren and Tracy's family members arrive in St. George. They fan out across the neighborhood, posting flyers, hoping someone may have seen Mason. Tracy also reaches out to the Mormon church for help. The Mormon community is extremely supportive. Being new to the area, to be able to let the neighborhood know that he was missing and people just stepped up. Though Darren is agnostic, Tracy and all six of the Smith children are Mormon, members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. This was a neighborhood that was united. They had multiple search parties, the whole neighborhood. But then, a tip comes in that points their efforts in a new direction. I had several people that reported seeing a male that matched Mason's description holding a sign saying, need a ride to Vegas. It's been three days since 17-year-old Mason Smith vanished from his parents' home in St. George, Utah. The word's getting out. I mean, there's flyers, you know, search parties. In response, a possible sighting of Mason is reported five miles from their house on an exit ramp to Interstate 15. There was at least like three people who had seen a boy that was on the exit holding a sign that said Las Vegas. Thing that ignited a lot of hope in us. St. George is on I-15, connecting Las Vegas to Salt Lake. Two hours to Vegas or four hours to Salt Lake. Descriptions of the hitchhiker sound a lot like Mason to his family. In that general area, there's multiple gas stations on both sides, actually, of the intersection. Mason's family contacts the stations to see if they've captured security video of this person. While they wait for access to the footage, another tip comes in. We had reports of somebody looking like Mason in Vegas. And so these kind of seem like they correlated. Mason's father, Darren, immediately makes the 120-mile trip to where the tips are pointing. Darren loaded up and just went to Vegas and walked the streets. He's not alone. A Las Vegas-based volunteer group called Red Rock Search and Rescue has heard about Mason's case. We said, hey, maybe this kid's here. And without saying anything to the family, we were out looking for him. I think Vegas just has that kind of, like, persona about it. You can go to Vegas and get lost, you know? Unfortunately, 
his father returns home empty-handed. You know, Mason would stick out in a crowd, but there's just thousands of people in Vegas. But it's not the last time the search for Mason will lead to Vegas or involve Red Rock search and rescue. Meanwhile, Tracy sticks close to home, hoping Mason might walk through their door. And Tracy's sister tracks down Mason's passwords to see if his digital life sheds any light on his whereabouts. We were able to view all the YouTube stuff that he had recently done, but he had raced history up until like 12.30 that morning. Similarly, there's very little to be gleaned from Mason's smartphone. His greatest texts were to my number. He didn't text people very much. And Mason appears to have barely touched social media. I, I think he had 15 friends. Detective Entz eventually takes possession of Mason's devices. I expected to look at this computer and find maybe information on how to disappear without a trace or maybe some communications with people of, hey, can you come pick me up? Nothing. It's possible Mason intentionally concealed information on his phone and laptop. But Detective Entz isn't so sure. I don't think that he used his digital devices to communicate with people. That's not what they were there for. They were to facilitate him watching his movies, being able to play his games, escape. His family has more conclusive results on a different front. Getting information on the mysterious hitchhiker. After we were able to view the video footage of the Chevron station and some gas stations down at that exit, it would determine that it wasn't Mason, it was another teenage boy. But the most mystifying twist in Mason's case unfolds six days after he disappeared. On the 7th is when Tracy discovered a note that was in his wallet. He folded it up numerous times. And I knew right away. Six days after the family of Mason Smith first reported he was missing, his mother takes a second look at Mason's wallet. This time, she sees something she missed before. My sister was staying with me. We read it together and we just, we just sobbed and held each other. I don't typically have letters left by runaway juveniles of this sort. It was deep. The two-page letter, handwritten by Mason, isn't specifically addressed to anyone or dated. This letter, you could tell, was written from the pits of his stomach. According to his parents, it's so personal, they've only made public part of what he wrote. Two key words resonate. I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. I felt like he meant that he was done 
living and that he was in so much pain that he wanted to take his life. The St. George police, however, aren't so sure. He said, not necessarily. So it gave me a little bit of hope. Most people that want you to find a note are going to put it in plain view, leave it on the bed, on the dresser. If you obscure it, it kind of seems like you're trying to prevent people from finding it right away. They might write a letter and just want you to think that they took their life, but um, it means disappearing. After Darren took away Mason's laptop and phone in the early hours of September 1st, 2015, Mason clearly poured out his heart onto paper, addressing the emotional impact of his electronics being taken away. I would say that it probably took him most of the night. Not only was Mason angry at his parents, he described his own inner turmoil. He was expressing his internal conflict of just not feeling like a good person. Losing his laptop and phone seems to have triggered something in Mason. His only coping mechanism to escape from that inside his head was his anime. It was some place to escape from his thoughts. His family's alarm is heightened by Mason's history. He suffered from depression a couple years before that. According to Tracy, almost two years earlier in Canada, his pain became so overwhelming, he told her he tried to take his life. He was hospitalized for about a week um, because he had suicidal thoughts and tendencies. He had to open up to doctors and everything, just his reasoning and his um, mental state. His mother, Tracy, thought their recent move to St. George was helping Mason. But his note indicates he was still in deep emotional distress. Based upon this letter, you know, and his previous history, where's the greatest likelihood that if he was going to harm himself that it would have occurred? We didn't have any guns in the house, so that was ruled out. Pills were not, none of us have prescriptions per se. As a general rule, they say that if someone's going to harm themselves, they're generally going to be within a mile of the residence. A nearby mesa on the southeast side of town becomes a focus for the St. George police. His home is actually fairly close to probably a 30-foot cliff edge that, uh, you know, if you wanted to harm yourself, you know, cliff would work. But they find no sign of Mason there. A week has now passed since he disappeared. Every time there was a sighting, I think there was, you know, there was that optimism of, oh, maybe it's him. He's been seen in Vegas. He's been seen in Salt Lake, South Jordan. You name it, we've had tips. But so far, all of those we've been able to rule out. But not this one. It's a report from a neighbor who was doing what she did every Tuesday afternoon. I dropped my daughter off for dance lessons at this home here with the Halloween decorations around 3.15. Then I turned around and was driving back down the street this way 
and saw Mason on the sidewalk right over here walking this way. So we crossed paths. And she was adamant that that was, in fact, Mason. She said that she knew it was him because she had interacted with him in church functions. There was probably about 15 feet between us. She just thought it was an odd time and an odd place for him to be walking. He was heading away from his home. If Mason was in the neighborhood that afternoon, it would mean that nearly eight hours after he disappeared from his parents' home, he was still nearby. That would tell me it wasn't impulsive. You know, once you have time to think about things, maybe you're like, maybe that's not such a good idea to go hurt myself. You know, maybe I'll do something else. That's my hope. More than three weeks after the search for Mason began, volunteers from Red Rock Search and Rescue in Las Vegas converge on the outskirts of St. George, Utah. We came out for two days. We bought equestrians. We brought um, six cadaver dogs from California. At his family's request, they're conducting the widest wilderness search for Mason to date, in case he headed into the desert. And I think we probably covered 30, 40 square miles those two days. It was amazing. But despite their efforts, Red Rock finds no trace of Mason either. Meanwhile, Mason's family establishes a Help Find Mason Smith Facebook page as a social media outlet for all their efforts. It grew into something that is its own entity now at this point, because there's almost 16,000 people on there. But difficult questions come with that publicity. His family has asked whether Mason may have been struggling with other issues besides his depression. What about these rumors that, that he was gay? And I, I said, you know, that doesn't matter. He's, he's missing. We'd love him regardless. So how does that help us find him sooner? There wasn't any indication that I saw, but it wouldn't matter. Five months into the investigation, his parents also confront insinuations Darren had something to do with their son's disappearance. The last interview Gebhardt Daily did with him in Salt Lake City, we had not touched upon that. And he very specifically said, there are people that think that I killed my son. Yeah, I actually found out that some people think that I, I, I killed my son. And it was, uh, it, it's, it's devastating. I called up the police and I said, look, I want to do everything I can. You know, come into my house, I'll take a lie detector test, just to pr prove that I'm innocent. I, I would recommend people, if you ever find yourself in that situation, say, polygraph me the first week. Both Darren and Tracy voluntarily take polygraphs. Tracy says they passed them. St. George police declined to comment saying Mason's case is still an active investigation. Time ticks by with no answers about what's happened to Mason. And his family struggles with the pain of his absence. 
I'm gonna get emotional. In church, he would reach out his hand and and I could just hold his hand or, or rub it and uh, get connected. You know, to think about this big six foot four guy, still kinda, mom, it's okay if you still rub my hand. But there's a possibility on the horizon that gives his mother reason for hope. A lot of speculation was, well, you know, he doesn't want to live at home with the rules you guys have. So he's waiting till he turns 18. And I actually secretive thought it was going to happen too. More than seven months after Mason Smith's disappearance, one particular day looms on the horizon. Mason's 18th birthday. There was some hope when he turned 18 that Tracy thought that he may have been holding out till he was that age and then he would get in touch. 18th birthday? Yeah, I'm expecting a phone call too. You are talking about an adult now. Happy birthday to you. Tracy hosts an event that day to raise awareness about Mason's case. They even have a cake to celebrate. But Mason's silence goes unbroken. Yeah. Yeah, that was hugely disappointing. I don't think that for those of us that have never experienced that loss, that we can really truly comprehend the magnitude. Just a few months earlier, his parents had announced a $10,000 reward for any information leading to their son's safe return. Maybe this will be the thing. Someone will say, yeah, I helped him, or yeah, I had a conversation with him, or yes, I know where he is. I figured, you know what, we're, we're gonna start getting plastered. Nothing. I get a tip a week, maybe. Tip every couple weeks. Then, at the end of July 2016, outside Salt Lake City, 11 months after Mason vanished, a new tip comes in that's unlike the others. Mason was seen up in West Valley at a Panda Express. Two sisters who came to the restaurant for lunch noticed a young man sitting at a table about eight feet away, watching them. Then, he approached. When this boy asked for change for the bus. It was memorable because he was so polite and kind. They both gave him all their change. And he goes, oh, this is all I need. I just need enough for the bus. Only later, when the girl's mother alerted them to the Help Find Mason Smith Facebook page, did they realize the young man looked like Mason. And crucially, the sisters said they also noticed something unusual in his speech. I had the two girls call in to Mason's phone and just listen to his voicemail. And I said, was this the voice of the boy you talked to? And they both said affirmatively that it was. We followed up with Panda Express. Their DVR that records the video surveillance was not working. 
Police are trying to get a nearby store's security video to confirm whether the young man was Mason or not. I think that this case is going to be solved by one person that's going to call in that saw something or knows something that they think is probably insignificant. Even members of his own family disagree about Mason's fate. Tracy thinks that Mason's out there somewhere and he's living his life. This hope keeps Tracy paying for Mason's phone service, though the phone itself is now in police evidence. Tracy feared it was the only number he knew by heart. You know your own phone number, so that was my barrier to making it final is he can't call. She recently let his line go. In those simple acts of finality are the hardest. Mason's father, Darren, has reached his own conclusion. He's in a different mindset where we're looking for a body. Red Rock Search and Rescue continues to search for Mason, now with aerial assistance. I think there's a high probability that Mason's buried out here someplace or someplace like this. I hope for contact. I hope that any sign, anything at all. If he wants to stay away, he can, but I'm just holding on to hope that we will hear something. We love him unconditionally, no matter what. And I hope he knows that. If you have any information about Mason Smith or his disappearance, please contact the St. George, Utah Police at 435-627-4300. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.